Here comes Schofield. Oh! 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 Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. You can do it. The penetration. Taken away by Hagens. Williams lobs it up. Oh! The slam. Jordan Bowden on a rock attack. Well, I, I do like length. That's what she said. Ones. Williams draws the double, hesitates. Extra feed. Oh, look out! That's a man's jam! Admiral Schofield! Hey, I love you! What? Nothing! Second bite! Get up! Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. March Madness time, Ohio time, which is unfortunate time, still an Eastern time time, Grant Ramey dotting the I in Ohio time, whatever time day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from the hasn't been named yet mobile studio, as we're naming it this week, we are on the road, and if the the sound quality in this is not quite what you're used to. We're working on it, so bear with us. But we wanted to bring you this podcast on the road because, guys, it is March Madness time, NCAA tournament time. The Vols, the number two seed in the South region, will open play, I believe, Friday afternoon at Nationwide Arena here in Columbus, Ohio, against the 15th seeded Colgate Raiders from Hamilton, New York. Small Liberal Arts College has not been to the NCAA tournament since Adonal Foyle, longtime NBA player, was the star there. Also, the last time they were there, the last two times they were 16 seed, both times got knocked out. So Colgate used to this kind of a seed, but you don't want to hear too much about Colgate. We're here to talk about the Tennessee Volunteers, who on the heels of what was a pretty good SEC tournament until it ended, kind of tough to say because so many good things happened that week and then Tennessee goes from absolute elation to boy just an absolute dud there in the uh in the championship game against Auburn Tennessee as it always does did not win the SEC tournament but that is the past Grant that is uh ancient history because now it is time for the big tournament the tournament that counts and if you're Tennessee you're hoping this is the one where you can kind of stop being a king without a crown this is a team that we've talked about this a lot throughout this season that the expectations for this team were going to be different. And this might be the best team in in Tennessee men's basketball history. But it's hard to say that at this point because that team does not have a title. This is a Tennessee team that lost in the uh, NIT preseason tip-off championship. It lost uh, lost by one game in the SEC regular season, and it lost the SEC tournament championship game. But you know what? If you make the first Final Four run in program history, Grant, I have to think that probably erases all of that. You only have to win two games uh, to match the best record in school history, program history. Uh, and everybody wants to uh, deservedly so uh, harp on what happened against Auburn. Uh, yeah, that was a dud. That was a that was a big-time missed opportunity uh, for the second time in a row for this team, uh, a chance to win a title uh, and coming up a game short against Auburn twice in, what, eight days that happened. So that's, uh, that's unfortunate for a really good basketball team, but the good news is you don't have to play anymore three games in three days, and you don't have to play 
uh, what turned out to be a fifth-seeded Mississippi State team and a number two-seed Kentucky and then a number five-seed Auburn. There's no run through the NCAA tournament uh, that's going to be like that. Uh, as, as much as that was a dud on Sunday, I don't think you give Auburn enough credit uh, because of they're playing the best basketball they've played all season and they came out and punched Tennessee in the mouth. Uh, it was their fourth game in four days, so uh, they should have been the tired team. They were not the tired team. They were the team that was jumping passing lanes and fronting Grant Williams and not letting those entry passes into the post that Tennessee kind of fuels its offense off of. Uh, Tennessee, had, I mean, that was the worst stretch of basketball this team's played in a long, long time. Not only this season, this goes back to last season, the the amount they turned it over, what, seven times in a row, something like that. Uh, so it's it's it was a bad half, uh, but it was a good weekend. I mean, Tennessee – uh, did what it did against Kentucky, and I think f- for good reason. People felt like that was the championship game, and, and Tennessee obviously, I guess, bought into that a little bit because they weren't ready to go for Auburn. But the good news is it's over. You get Colgate, handle your business. You get Cincinnati or Iowa. If you handle your business there, you go to Louisville and, and see what happens against uh, Villanova or Purdue or, or whatever happens. Those are those are teams you can play with because you've, you've shown it all year you can play with them. Yeah, I've said this a couple of times uh, since this bracket was unveiled. I, I think the first weekend, particularly that second game, if it's Cincinnati, could be a tricky game for Tennessee because you're you're playing. I think there's going to be a good amount of Tennessee teams here, but you're still playing uh, Cincinnati uh, just, what, a couple hours or less away from its campus. Uh, that's tough when you're playing a pretty good team that probably arguably could have, should have been better than a seven seed. And you're playing that team in the second round potentially, and, and I, I don't like that. But but what I do like is if Tennessee gets past that first weekend, I think the second weekend could have been a lot worse. I, I think that when you look at that draw, yes, Villanova has won, you know, is the reigning national champion. Yes, we know this, but I I think that Villanova team, this one is not that Villanova team. Uh, it lost a bunch of those guys to the NBA. Uh, it's got a couple good players. Uh, they had a five-star freshman this year. He's a good player. Uh, but it's not. I don't think it's the same Villanova team. Certainly that you're used to seeing. If you if you haven't seen them since last season, they are not probably that level of a team. Uh, they play would play Villanova likely. Uh, maybe maybe there's a chance they could play um, a, a pretty good 14 seed there that that could roll through and do some good things, or play the three seed, the Purdue Boilermakers. Which again, you know, this is a city that Purdue's very familiar with. This is uh, there's a good amount of Purdue basketball fans. They they will be here. Uh, or they would be there in Louisville next week. So, so again, I, I think that the second weekend for Tennessee, if you can get past the first weekend, I, I kind of like the second weekend uh, because then you would get maybe Virginia, and we know that's a good team, but we also know that that's certainly a slow-paced team that if you can jump on them a little bit, if you can find a way to get through that pack line defense and get up on them, that's a they're not really built to come from behind from a lot. So if you can get off to a good start against Virginia – Easier said than done, but but that's not a game that uh, is not winnable for Tennessee. I, I think that that the good news, as I've said, for people who are just now kind of getting into college basketball season right toward the end, maybe you're one of those football fans who kind of jumps in late. Uh, if and, and I don't think Tennessee fans are one of those people. I'm, I'm not making that comparison because I think Tennessee's basketball fan base is uh, criminally underrated. But, but I think that if you're one of those people who's just kind of getting into this now, this time of year, uh, I, I, I think – I think that you would notice that there's one team in college basketball that if everyone is healthy might be a historically really good team, uh, and that is this Duke team. Uh, Duke is a very, very good basketball team. Zion Williamson uh, back and healthy. 
Uh, I think it was nice of the NCAA to let Grant Williams be a finalist in all the awards Zion Williamson is about to win as National Player of the Year. Uh, and that team, if all things are are, are kind of clicking, that might be a historically really good team. Other than that, there's kind of just a lot of pretty decent teams. There's not maybe many historically great teams there, which, you know, I think if you're Tennessee, that's a good thing for you because this is a pretty good year to be in the mix and give yourself a chance. Now, of course, we say that. you got to take care of business, and that starts with Colgate on Friday afternoon. But when I look at this draw overall, I know there was a lot of hand-wringing about Cincinnati in the second round, and I do think that that is a tough game if, if Tennessee gets to that. But I don't think Cincinnati scores at a prolific level. I think it's a, a team that's physicality is not going to really bother Tennessee. It's not like that would be Tennessee's third game in three days or anything like that. I don't hate this draw for Tennessee. The, the more I look at it, the more I think, you know what? This thing is set up to where if Tennessee just goes out there and plays the way it's capable of playing, I think this Tennessee team could make a nice run in this tournament. And what Tennessee has going for it, what it's had going for it all, all season, is it doesn't have any bad losses. Uh, that Auburn loss was ugly. It wasn't a bad loss because Auburn's a good basketball team. Uh, I think they were ranked 14th on Monday in the final uh, AP poll, and and what they've done the last couple of weeks is has obviously, like we said, that's been the best basketball they've played. And I think the mental block for Tennessee fans is that second round because they remember what happened last year, uh, and they need to kind of have those demons uh, exercised. I guess I could just call it a 98 year old nun, uh, a demon that needs to be exercised. But you need to get past it, and and I think people look at the possibility of Cincinnati or the possibility of Iowa and think, well, they couldn't get past uh, Chicago last year, Loyola. Are they going to be able to handle one of those teams? I think this team is much different. This Tennessee team, they're obviously not going to rely on their defense and just effort like they did last season. They they have a lot more, uh, obviously, to do offensively, a lot more balance, a lot more execution, just a lot better team uh, from, from top to bottom. And and when you look at it, their their five losses are Kansas, Auburn twice, Kentucky, and LSU. And Kentucky and LSU were on the road. Auburn was on the road, and on a neutral floor. I mean, they've handled their business against lesser teams. And I think you would still throw Purdue into that category. I mean, Purdue played really well later into the season. I guess midway through the season on, but they had some struggles early. So they're they're not a team that I mean they're they're seated behind you for a reason. You should be the better team. I think that applies to Villanova as well. Uh, they obviously have the chops of a blue blood program that's done what what it's done in March the last few years. At the same time, like you said, they don't have the personnel they had. They're a six seed for a reason. Uh, Tennessee just needs to get out of these first two rounds uh, relatively stress free, get to Louisville, and just take care of business, play your basketball, uh, and be the team that you've been all year. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's the important thing. Is s- sort of. It, will the nerves for this team be an issue? Because I remember talking to Jordan Bone, uh, Tennessee's junior point guard there, after the Auburn loss, and I said, you know, straight up, Jordan, and, and that's the good thing about a team this mature, is that you can you can speak plainly to these guys, and, and they're they're gonna they're gonna treat you like you know you can treat them like adults because they're gonna they're gonna act like adults. And, and I I asked him point blank. I said, Jordan, was pressure or stress any part of a problem in this game? Y'all knew that. Tennessee hadn't won this tournament since 1979, I believe. That was 40 years. You knew you wanted to go out and do this thing. Was there a lot of pressure? Because it kind of felt like Sunday was a coronation, you know, uh, going into it. Uh, The building, 19,000-plus, a vast majority of them. 
Tennessee fans. I would think like 85% Tennessee fans, 5% Auburn fans, and then kind of 10% neutrals that hung around. So uh, I, I do think that that was a fair question to ask. And, and Bone straight up honestly said, you know, no, Wes, I don't think it was I don't think it was pressure because I don't think this team feels pressure. He said, I, I just think we turned the ball over and I think we did some dumb things we don't normally do and I think we paid for it. Uh, and, and maybe that was an issue. And I think you made a good point there that some of that was Sunday. Some of that could have been as much pro-Auburn as it was anti-Tennessee. I, I think Auburn went out there and played a really, really excellent basketball game. But if you're Tennessee, you can't turn the ball over in seven consecutive possessions. You know, uh, you, you, you can't do the things that they did. You, you can't let people overplay passing lanes and, and make dumb passes right to them. Uh, you can't just be handling the ball down the court and just lose track of it. You, you have to make bunnies, uh, which this team had been doing most of the season but didn't do in that game. There were a lot of things uh, that did not go well. Admiral Schofield played maybe the worst game of his Tennessee career, certainly up there in the list of, of worst games he's ever played. Uh, Grant Williams did the, the, the sort of the, the kryptonite for him, which is spending too much time whining to the officials and not just going out there and playing through it and letting some things go and playing basketball. So everything that could go wrong did go wrong in that game. But the more I think about it, and maybe this is just something that you do uh, when you try to justify things or you try to minimize things, but but I think the more I think about that game, Tennessee had been playing its third game in three days, and Auburn was playing its fourth in four days, and so there was no excuse for Tennessee being tired. But Tennessee looked tired in that game. Uh, Grant Williams, Rick Barnes said that he thought Grant Williams looked tired five or six minutes into the game. And we asked Grant, were you tired? And he just kind of nodded and was like, yeah, I was tired. And, and, and so maybe that heavyweight fight Tennessee was in Saturday kind of took something out of them, and, and that just is what it is. I don't think that's an issue anymore. I think this Tennessee team has had three or four days now to get fresh. I think playing on Friday and not Thursday was a big deal for this team. So now my only question is the nerves. Will this team – it has sort of not looked like – I think a deer in the headlights – that happened at Kentucky. Tennessee became a deer in the headlights there. But other than that, I don't think we've seen this team sort of kind of choke in a moment where they shouldn't have. I mean, Lamonte Turner took that shot at LSU that he shouldn't have taken. But that's a guy who's aggressive, uh, kind of an ultra alpha when the game's on the line, doing what comes naturally to him. And it works more often than not, and it didn't work in that game. So I don't think, you know, it's easy to say in this moment that these guys won't be phased by that. And in my heart of hearts, I don't think they will be. But I think it's fair to question. You know, this was a team that really should have gone farther than it did last year. And is that the kind of thing that sits in the back of your mind as a bad thing? Because uh, it's good when it motivates you. It's bad when it sits there and clings to you and, and you worry about it. So will this team feel pressure? Uh, will this team feel the weight of expectations of never this program never going to a Final Four? You know, that this program sort of having a history of getting to the big moment and then coming up short whether it's missed free throws in big spots or just throwing up a dud at the wrong time. Can this team play through that? I think this team is built to do that, but until they go out and do it, it's at least a little bit of a concern, isn't it? Yeah, there's always – I mean, there's always nervous pressure with this tournament uh, because it's do or die and anybody can – I mean, when a 16 beats a 1 by 20 last year like, like UMBC did with Virginia, I mean, all bets are off. Anything can happen to anybody. Uh, what were one seeds, 135-0 and 0 or whatever going into that game. Uh, and then that happened. I think there's there's always that nervous uh, pressure there, energy, whatever whatever it is. 
uh, at the same time, I think you can trust these guys a little bit more because of what happened last year and how it ended. And maybe they weren't as mentally on edge as they should have been. Uh, I, I mean, when I looked at that game last year, when I watched Loyola beat Miami, I thought, okay, well, here's Tennessee, a, uh, a pretty easy pass into the Sweet 16 to get to Atlanta. Uh, and then Loyola did what it did. I mean, even even Tennessee got out to, what, what was it, 15-6 to six start in that game or something. And Loyola took time out. And I think not long after that, Admiral got a quick second foul or something like that. And the game started to change from there. But I, I kind of feel like you should trust them more because of what happened and what they went through last year. That was uh, – that was one of the more devastated locker rooms, more one of the more devastated teams I've ever seen, uh, kind of in person, kind of sitting there just watching them, uh, just kind of stunned as to what happened. And I think that's – I mean, they're they're better basketball team right now because of all the work they put in over the summer uh, from top to bottom on this roster. But I also think that work was heavily motivated by the way the season ended uh, to an 11 seed uh, to a team that – you know you're better than that team and and not only did they lose they lost on a uh, fall away jump shot that hit the iron hit the glass hit the iron a couple more times and dropped and just like that uh, it can be over uh, they just need to take care of business like we said take care of Colgate that's a team you should beat your 17 point favorite for a reason uh, take care of whoever's next uh, and kind of reset and I, I don't think the three games in three days obviously that 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 had its effect in Nashville uh, this team's not deep. The, I mean, that's the fact. They they have some depth, but it's not really competitive depth because what you're getting from East Pond, Eve Ponds, what you're getting from Derek Walker, uh, even John Fulkerson to an ex- extent, Jalen Johnson, I mean, that th- those guys aren't giving you much off the bench except uh, a little bit of time for your guys to breathe because this rotation all year has been six or seven guys uh, playing close to 30 minutes, and that's one thing that Auburn – uh, they were playing their fourth game in four days, but they got a deeper rotation. They could do more with their bench and, and stuff like that. But you don't have to worry about that now because you, you play a game, you get an off day, you play a game again. If you survive that, you got another five days off, play a game, off day, game. That whole scenario, that situation, that's it from here on out. So uh, I don't think that's a that's a situation you have to be worried about. But uh, until, like you said, until we see it happen, you, you're going to wonder how it happened. Yeah, there's one thing I really want to touch on here, and, and you talk about sort of the way that that Loyola game impacted these guys. And, and Grant, you and I are both Premier League soccer fans, and, and anyone who really follows the Premier League knows that there's always the narrative. You know, that, that's kind of the inside story. That there's, that there's always a narrative. There's always a trend. And, and I could be totally wrong about this because watch it be the tournament of Grant Williams or Admiral Schofield stepping up big time again or – you know, watch Jordan Bowden or Lamonte Turner go on a heater and score 20 a game in this tournament. But I have a feeling that the way things ended last season for Tennessee, I just have this feeling in the back of my mind that this is going to be a Jordan Bone tournament. I think that this could be a time, because those of us who have said this all year, there are some people like Jay Billis who know how good Jordan Bone is. And you hear some some national analysts say it. But I still think because of all the attention that goes to Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, there is not nearly enough attention to Jordan Bone and the kind of player that he is. And he did struggle a little bit against Auburn. The entire team did. But the way that game ended last season, Grant, you touched on it with those guys in the locker room, that being one of the most devastated locker rooms that you'd ever seen. And for me, I will unequivocally say it was the most devastated locker room I have ever been a part of. Because in this tournament, like all postseason stuff, the locker room's open. You can't hide from anything. You only get the 10-minute cooling period. And then uh, we kind of march in there. We march right into the lion's den, and we see those guys. And, and you can't hide the emotion. 
and Jordan Bone in that locker room because, you know, Custer hit the shot on him at the end of the game, that had an impact on him. I mean, he could barely – he's he's a quiet talker anyway, but he couldn't even get words out of his mouth. He just had his – he had a towel over his head. He was just crying the entire time. He could barely speak. He was as devastated as I've ever really seen a player after a game. It, it was just – it was heartbreaking, really, uh, to sit there and, and watch him go through that. And, Grant, you had a good story about Jordan Bowen. I think you should probably tell people this. I know you wrote this story early in the week, and if you're not on GoVols247.com, you're a jerk and, and you haven't read it yet. But for, for people who didn't read that or for even people who did, tell me about tell us about that because I you got that story from him and I exclusive and I, and I thought it was some really good stuff talking about just how much that had an impact on him. Yeah, I mean, he was – and the thing about the open locker room uh, – it's it's open. I mean, you you walk in and you you. There's a lot of people in there because it's the postseason. There's a lot of media, uh, and and it's it's not easy uh, for anybody in there trying to get these kids to talk about these games after they happen. Uh, but I mean, Jordan's head was buried in a towel. I mean, the kid was sobbing. He was not just crying, uh, shedding a couple of tears. He was outright. He was ugly, Christ sobbing. Uh, it was awful. But anyway, I, I, after that game Sunday, uh, I mean, it's a quiet locker room after you lose a title game like that. But, I mean, it's selection Sunday. You're going straight into the bracket. And I asked him to kind of go back to that moment against Loyola and watching that happen in the aftermath. And he said he, he found a picture of Clayton Custer celebrating that shot, uh, and he made it the screensaver on his phone. And he said every morning – uh, he, you know, he gets up, he says a prayer, and like any kid does, he goes to his phone. And when you go to your phone and that's your background, obviously that's the picture uh, that you're going to see. And he kept it there for months. Uh, it wasn't just something like, uh, you know, a week or so and, until he kind of moved on from it. It was a, uh, his quote was, for many months, he, he looked at that photo uh, and he said he could see uh, Custer celebrating the shot. He could see himself in the background. Uh, I think his quote was just how much in defeat I was at that moment. Because yeah, he he came down and and he had the he had Clayton in front of him. He didn't really put his hands up. I guess he's afraid to foul him. And it was a crazy shot to begin with. And then yeah, he's got three seconds to get the ball up, put a desperation three up. It's a pretty good shot, uh, given the scenario. But he 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 wore that loss personally, uh, and he's 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 better because of that moment because he's one of the most improved, if not the most improved, Tennessee basketball player. Uh, this season, and he does have an NBA future uh, because of the offseason work and everything that that kind of drew from that picture uh, that he stared at every day. And and that's why I still think you 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 need to trust this team a little bit more until they give you reason not to trust them. Uh, because last season's team was a feel good story; they were a pretty awful team in terms of preseason projections and, and to what they turned into a number three seed. Uh, this time it feels like uh, going to the NCAA tournament. It's 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 you would assume it's going to feel like more business. Like this isn't just some happy to be here uh, Cinderella story. Don't pick us like they did last year. Uh, this is a team that's that's still sick from what happened last year and, and ready to uh, make amends and finally get past it. Yeah, because I'm I'm a big believer in the whole the whole narrative thing because just like every journalist, you always like to tell a uh, tell a good story, and, and I think. For all those reasons, for this offseason, for the way things ended last season for Tennessee, uh, with Jordan Bone taking that way too personally on himself, but still taking that to heart, uh, looking at the whole offseason about what he could have done, and then coming out there and finally turning into the player that Rick Barnes swore from the beginning that he could be, 
And it's not just that. I mean, it's the feel-good element of it, too. But it's also the fact that this is a guy who I, th- I think most of us believe he has an NBA future. The question is whether it's this season or next season. And, and I think no matter what happens in this tournament, as long as he stays healthy, I think he should probably declare without an agent, do some workouts, and then see. I think Grant Williams should do the same thing. And, heck, if I'm Jordan Bowden, I think about doing the same thing because why not? The worst thing they can do is tell you you're not a pick yet. Go back to school. So I think they should do that. But I think this this stage – you know, kind of careers can be made in this tournament. Legacies can be made in this tournament. And I think Jordan Bone, as long as he doesn't put too much pressure on himself, he, he is so determined to sort of correct that course from last year. And I, I think that he will do that to an extent. I, I think I think he's going to go out there. I don't think this is the boldest claim ever. But I think he's going to go out there and have a great tournament. Uh, and, and whether that means he's going to play three, four, five, six consecutive great games I'm not saying that but I'm saying he's going to be good a lot more than he's bad in this tournament and I think he's going to make some big big plays and change some games for Tennessee but what's interesting to me talking about the sort of the macro view is you know Grant you and I talked about this I know we talked about this with with our buddy Mike Wilson from the Knoxville News Sentinel we've talked about it with other people I think we all kind of got the impression and I even went out and said it Sunday I tweeted it before the brackets came out I said get ready prepare yourselves because Tennessee is going to be the team that everyone says is a top-two seed that goes out early. To me, it just seemed like everyone was going to do that. It just felt like, you know, the story of this team, no top 100 prospects, you know, uh, do they really are they really that good? Were they just a feel-good story? Did they peak too soon? Do they have enough depth? Do they have that real star power, which is funny because they have the two-time SEC player of the year. But, but do they, you know, there's all these questions, and we thought people would be just kind of ragging on them. And lo and behold, nothing could be further from the truth. This Tennessee team is, it seems like, I looked at it the other day just as a sample size. Sports Illustrated did its uh, its nine college basketball experts picked a Final Four. And Tennessee was in the Final Four for five of the nine people. And uh, we've seen this all the time. Jeff Goodman, our, our, our good friend, he, he is a guy who also has Tennessee in the Final Four. Andy Katz has him in the national championship game. Some people have them winning the title. And it seems like... And I know, Grant, I don't know that you felt this, but I, I think you did, and I know I did. It just kind of felt like everyone would pick this Tennessee team as the team that's going to struggle or this Tennessee team's going to bow out early, maybe the first game, the second game. They're going to be one of those, you know, March Madness shockers like last year. And the exact opposite thing has happened. And I, I'm not saying that's wrong because I think this Tennessee team could go out there and win a national championship. But to me, it's surprising that all of a sudden this team's gone from the team nobody believed into the team that – almost everybody now believes in. Even uh, another one of our good friends, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio, a guy who admittedly has no love for Tennessee or Tennessee fans. He's a different kind of media guy. He is very much a Kentucky fan, a homer, if you will, and he he's proud about that. Um, but he has no love for Tennessee. He just doesn't. But he said he thinks that's the Final Four team. So why are you as surprised as I am that everyone's picking this Tennessee team? And, and what does that say about – sort of the way the college basketball world feels about these guys. I went into Sunday's Auburn game expecting Tennessee to basically do exactly what uh, Auburn did to Tennessee to get an early lead out and, and just take care of business and not get punched in the face like they did. And I was as surprised by that performance. Uh, I'm as surprised by the Final Four picks as I was by that performance, like stunned. Because uh, you mentioned – SI and Goodman and and, uh, and and Matt Jones and all those people, uh, The Athletic had 16 writers 
uh, college basketball writers uh, do their final fours and their title game picks and champions. Twelve of the sixteen picked Tennessee uh, to go to the final four. Seven picked them to play for a national title. Seven out of sixteen, uh, which is crazy to me, and it, and it feels like uh, that's that's some bad voodoo. You don't want that on you. Uh, but uh, I, I guess this Tennessee team has made believers out of people. Maybe it's because uh, they're in the South with Virginia as the number one. And I think Virginia, uh, the last five times they were number one seeds, they didn't advance to the, the Final Four. And I guess everybody remembers what happened last last March with Virginia, and, and maybe they're scared. And maybe it's just because there's uh, good teams, solid teams, but there doesn't really look like a killer uh, in this bracket. It looks like these are all teams that Tennessee and Virginia should handle. Uh, and maybe Tennessee people give Tennessee the edge. Uh, and I think a lot of people saw what Tennessee did Saturday, uh, Saturday night against Kentucky. Uh, that was a that was a game that uh, felt like a Final Four atmosphere would feel like, I would imagine, with the intensity, the physicality, uh, the level of play by both teams. Uh, I think that was a t- uh, it was a game uh, with Michigan, Michigan State, UNC, Duke, uh, Tennessee, Kentucky. Those were three huge conference tournament games that got a ton of attention and a ton of national uh, spotlight. And I think that made an impression on people. And then you look at their record and you look at the guys they have on this roster, uh, it's, it's, it's not hard to believe that they've made believers out of people. It's just that I didn't uh, – you just expect the team that's not really been there a ton, like a Tennessee, that's not a blue blood, uh, to not handle it well or to not be picked to handle it well and to be that trendy upset pick. But, no, they're, they're, they're it seems like the darlings at this point. Yeah, and, and I think that what's interesting uh, to me is that y- you look at sort of that that whole bracket. And another of our um, uh, one of my favorite people in the media, uh, go back with this guy to when he was in Durham, North Carolina. Bomani Jones uh, has told me all year long because he and I have talked about college basketball, and I've said, you know, I, I think, you know, I told him one day, I said, Bo, I, I think that Virginia team is 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 different. I think this Virginia team just has a little bit more. I think it can be a little bit more dynamic offensively when it needs to. Uh, the guy who was out last year in the tournament, he's back. You know, I, I just felt like that team would would have a better chance to succeed in the postseason. And, and he flat out told me, you know, Wes, look at the look at the um, look at the tempo. Virginia is one of the slowest teams in college basketball in tempo. And he said teams that are built like that just don't win tournaments. And he, he's not wrong. Uh, you know, but but here's the other thing statistically. Uh, not everyone, but just about every national champion in, the, in recent memory has been top 20 nationally in offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive deficiency, uh, defensive efficiency, I should say. And, you know, there's teams this year, there's I think six or seven teams that are top 20 in both. Tennessee is not one of those teams. Uh, but the interesting thing about that is this is the entire Tennessee roster basically from last season when it was sixth nationally in that category. So you know it has the ability to go out and do that. Whether it will do that, I, I don't know. But we know that this team has vastly improved offensively. Uh, one of the top teams in adjusted offensive efficiency it has been all season. Would have been leading the nation for a lot of that, a lot of the season in that category if this wasn't just a historically really great uh, Gonzaga offense. So I, I think that Maybe Tennessee could be an outlier there because we've seen that Tennessee team, that roster, be in the top 20. And, and you know, it's not like if you're in the, you know, Tennessee has played well enough at times to be in the high 20s in that category this season. It's not like they're terribly far off from being in the top 20. So they could, in theory, you know, kind of break through that that ceiling. Uh, and we saw a, a North Carolina team a few years ago, the, the Felton May McCants team, 
Uh, it was not very good defensively, uh, but it was so good offensively that it won the championship anyway. And Tennessee plays at a tempo that, that tournaments like. Um, and, and I think the interesting thing about Tennessee is that, you know, it doesn't have tremendous quality depth, but what it has is scoring from all over the place. And in a tournament, that just gives you more options. If a couple guys go cold, you still have other guys who can carry the team. You know, because if, if Williams, Schofield, either one of them isn't producing, well, then a guy like Bowden or Turner or Bone can step up and score 20. So I, I think that's something that helps. You know, Kyle Alexander can step up out of nowhere and have a double-double. We've seen him do that before. You wonder where that is all the time, but he has the ability to do that. So I think a lot of the thing with this team is just sort of the, the way it can attack people and the numbers that it has. And I think that's something that not in terms of quality depth, in terms of numbers off the bench, but but sort of the quality depth within the rotation itself. Uh, the number of guys who – this isn't like it has a team that if, if, it, if this one guy doesn't go out and score 20, they're screwed. Tennessee's not one of those teams. Tennessee has five guys that can go out there and drop 20. So I think that helps you in a tournament like this. I also think this team just doesn't let the moment kind of – that there are two kinds of people. There are people who – who kind of thrive in the moment, and there are people who who kind of go away in the moment. You know, it's kind of that eat-or-get-eight thing. And, and Tennessee, n- normally this team, it doesn't get afraid of big moments. Maybe it won't play its best, but but it'll play well enough. And I think if Tennessee can, can get out to a pretty good start against Colgate, can get out there and feel comfortable, kind of get a rhythm going, then I think this could be a nice tournament. Um, but, you know, and, and, and that doesn't mean – that they go out there from the first media timeout and they're gangbusters. That means at some point by the end of the first half or early the second half in that game, if they're kind of taking control of it, getting in rhythm, feeling comfortable, uh, then this is a team that, that should be pretty good because I, I think I don't think this team's going to line up against anybody. Maybe aside from that really, really good Duke team, if, if everybody is on – all cylinders for that Duke team. Maybe that's the one moment you play Duke in a big moment. Maybe we'll see where their head's at there. Um, but, you know, they've played Carolina the past couple of years. They've gone out and played these teams. You know, they, they, they played the Gonzagas, Kansases, Kentuckys. They're not scared of any of these guys. Uh, these guys like, you know, Williams, Schofield, they, they don't rattle really. You know, uh, sometimes they get in their own head and cause themselves problems. But I don't think, you know, we talked all the time about people, you know, teams with length giving Grant Williams trouble. Well, he's gone out there this season, and a couple times he's he struggled with length, but he's been infinitely better against length than he was early in his career. You know, a guy like Schofield's been more consistent and, and not had too many duds like he did against Auburn. Uh, Bone's been a guy who you kind of know mostly what you're going to get. Uh, there's still guys like like uh, Bowden, Turner, Alexander that have the potential to do it, but you don't know if you're going to get it. But Tennessee's got enough guys that I, I think they don't, they don't rattle very easily, and of course, it's easy to say that you go out there in the biggest tournament of all, and you know sometimes it just happens. You know, you run to the wrong team at the wrong time, and you know we need to say this again. Since February, since the start of February, no team in college basketball has shot the three ball better than Colgate. Now, there's caveats to that. Colgate shoots the ball as well as Auburn but it doesn't have the athleticism Auburn has. Colgate also turns the ball over 13 times a game. It also has a defense that is ranked pretty low nationally. So there, there are holes all over that team, and Tennessee should have more depth, more athleticism. You know, Colgate's good, but Tennessee shouldn't have much of a too much trouble in that game. You know, if you're a Tennessee fan, you're saying knock on wood there. But I think if they get settled into this tournament, uh, 
I think they should be around for a while. And you never know what to expect in this tournament. Covered it enough times, seen it enough times to know anything's possible. But I, I, despite what happened against Auburn, I, I don't think that matters a ton going into this thing. You know, Tennessee's uh, the the team at Tennessee that got the closest to the Final Four. Uh, came a couple, like maybe a missed free throw away from beating Draymond Green in Michigan State and going to the Final Four. That team lost by 30 to Kentucky in the SEC tournament. So that stuff doesn't matter. I think this team going into this tournament feels pretty good. And correct me if I'm wrong, but, I mean, I, I think it should feel pretty good. Yeah, it should feel good because of what it's done uh, from start to finish. I mean, they, they, they were a wire-to-wire top-ten team. Uh, they were... You know, they they won 19 games in a row. That's never been done before. They ranked number one for four weeks in a row. That's never been done before. Uh, they spent 10 weeks of the season ranked number three or higher. So this team's been uh, among the elite all season and stayed there, hasn't rattled too much. I mean, they're coming into this tournament having played 10 of their last 12 games against NCAA tournament teams. And the only team uh, – the only kind of lower seeds in that are a really good old Miss team with number eight seed and a tough Florida team that's a number 10 seed uh, that gave Tennessee trouble, obviously uh, a lot of trouble in Gainesville. Um, and they found a way to win that game. I mean, yeah, they lost at LSU. They lost at Kentucky. They lost at Auburn. Those were some tough losses, but you're not playing any more of those road games where it's everybody against you in a tough gym, a tough environment. Uh, they've shown they can live on their defense. I mean, when the offense wasn't there against Vanderbilt, they only gave up 46 points at home. Uh, when they needed to lock down at home against Kentucky and try to uh, answer that 17-point loss at Rupp, they only gave up 52 points, I believe, to Kentucky uh, in Thompson Bowling, and they won by 19. Uh, they only gave up 54 the next night against Mississippi State at home. Those are all good basketball teams, uh, and they've obviously shown the whole first half of the season, if not longer, just how good they can be offensively, how elite they can be on that end of the floor. And they've done it through different guys. Kyle Alexander had those double-doubles early in SEC play. Jordan Bowden had some really good uh, really good consecutive games early in SEC play. Admiral carried them against Gonzaga. Grant's done what Grant has done uh, all season for his career, basically. Uh, they've lived through different guys. Jordan Bone can carry him. Lamonte Turner can carry him. It's just a matter of who's going to step up and, and deliver the goods when they need it and how – poised and in control and how much they can take care of business. I would be stunned if they didn't get out of the first weekend uh, and kind of reset and see what happens in Louisville. Uh, but that's the next step for this team is is to get through the first round, no problems, and get rid of that Loyola memory, move on from the second round, uh, and see who you get in Louisville. It's kind of funny as we're recording this early on a Thursday morning, late Wednesday night, whichever way you de- describe it, uh, we've got sports center on here in the background and they just flashed across the screen that just as a reminder, Rick Barnes has lost 11 times in the round of 64, which is the second most of all time. I imagine if Rick Barnes, uh, there's no way he's awake at this witching hour, but, but if he were and he saw that, I can imagine that him huffing and puffing a little bit there. Uh, but you know what? Uh, I mean, th- this is, this is, uh, as John Rostein would say, right? This is March. Uh, and Rick Barnes has a chance to, sort of rewrite the story on his career. You know, he, he's done a great career re- resurrection here at Tennessee. Uh, a biblical man like Barnes would describe it as a Lazarus-like thing, kind of coming back and restoring his legacy. Um, and if he could take this Tennessee team and get it to a Final Four, could maybe even cut down some nets, uh, that, that puts his career in an entirely new light. All of a sudden, you stop talking about the nice guy who always had put together some good regular seasons but couldn't finish when it mattered in the tournament. 
and all of that goes away. So the, there's going to be a lot to um, a lot to break down, a lot to dissect as this tournament goes on. Uh, we're going to be bringing you as much as we can. We've brought the uh, aforementioned, not yet named, uh, GoVoss 24/7 Mobile Studio out with us to Columbia. Uh, no, Columbus, Columbus. It's weird that there's a Columbus and a Columbia the first weekend. That's just bound to confuse us because, you know, I, I just – we're not very smart, and that is what it is. But we're going to be here as much as we can uh, this week slash weekend. We will bring you uh, all the coverage that we can. We might even try to drop some interviews in the podcast. We'll see if time allows. Uh, there's always a ton of stuff going on here, so uh, we will try to do as much as we can. Uh, we'll have a football podcast coming out Friday morning as per usual. Uh, we Ryan Callahan and I went into uh, the Fort Rucker sunroom, not yet studio, the Fort Rucker sunroom, to uh, to discuss some of those things, Tennessee football. Uh, the spring break going on, but there's a lot of information out there still. There, there's a lot of coverage. Uh, I went one-on-one recently with Jeremy Pruitt, and there's still some coverage from that on the website. A couple more stories to come from that, and then we'll release the full interview. So uh, it's a big weekend. I know it's spring break in Knoxville, but there is uh, there is a lot of sports sports going on, a lot of sports ball. We will bring all of it to you. And uh, as always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. And you can find all of us at GoVoss 24-7. You can find our whole staff there on Twitter at twitter.com slash GoVoss 24-7. That one's all balls all the time and not just the uh, personal BS that we all put on our personal accounts from time to time. You can also go to our Facebook account, facebook.com slash GoVoss 24-7. We're very proud of that page. We've done a lot of work on it. And uh, there's a lot of information on that page all the time. Or if you want to drink straight from the hose, you can go to GoVoss247.com the single greatest site on this or any other planet. We all know that. Always a good free seven-day trial going on. Tons of stuff that you can get. Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, uh, Tennessee baseball coverage with that team that's off to a good start. Uh, Lady Vols basketball coverage from Maria with them going into the postseason. They did, by the skin of their teeth, they got into the tournament. Uh, and, and maybe some coaching news going forward on that. We will see. Also some softball coverage coming up from Maria. We got all kinds of stuff going on all the time. And uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again. If you're not on GoVols247.com, you're just a jerk. I don't want to be rude about it, but I'm calling a spade a spade. Go to visit our site, GoVols247.com, or you're a jerk. Grant, do you have any final thoughts? Don't bother me. I'm watching John Fulker and Alex. <laughs> <laughs>